Welcome to the Next Level Human Podcast. As a human, you have a job to do. In fact, you have four jobs. To earn and manage money, to attain and maintain health and fitness, to build and sustain personal relationships, to find meaning and make a difference. None of these jobs are taught in school. And that is what this podcast is designed to do to educate us all on living our most fulfilled lives through the mastery of these four jobs. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Tita, and I believe we are here living this life for three reasons and three reasons only, to learn, to teach, and to love. In this podcast, I will be learning, teaching, and loving right along with you. I'm grateful to have your company. Here's to our next level. All right, so Emily and I are back. It's uh, good morning, my friend. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Coffee and tea. <laughs> Emily's a, Emily is a uh, tea drinker, which really wigs me it out. It really freaks like, him out. I'm like, <laughs> He's like, you're my only house guest ever who, who doesn't drink coffee. Yeah, I'm like, come on. <laughs> Every time I'm here, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, so, all right. Well, s- well, one of the things that um, Emily and I often get uh, from friends of ours and just from uh, people in general well, one we talked about this before they oftentimes think we have a romantic connection uh we're just you know we're both cis hetero i'm cis hetero male she's cis hetero <laughs> female we've never been romantically involved um we've been very close uh and there's never been that vibe as we often talk about Ever. but it kind of goes into this idea of you know talking about um friendships in general and I guess we'll we'll focus a little bit on men, but friendships inside of uh, relationships, and also we can start with just that conversation that um, you know people oftentimes say, you know, men and women, uh, if they're single, they can't really be friends, and even people would argue, even when they're in relationship, it is a very dangerous thing to have men and women. Uh, be very close friends and that, that can interfere with relationships and we both have opinions on this and i think it's an important conversation because uh well very clearly this can become very uh, difficult to manage in relationships it can break relationships up it can become a source of frustration and difficulty and um cause all kinds of havoc inside of relationships so i'll let you open it up with your thoughts about um you know opposite sex friendships in general and then opposite sex friendships in the context of a romantic relationship where then you have a very close friend or even a best friend of the opposite sex who is heterosexual if you know or of the same romantic inclination you know as that as that person does that disrupt um the couple and what are your thoughts around that and what can we offer in terms of this conversation um for people who are listening to this and how to manage it well i think that you and i are a really good pair to to talk about this because we have we've explored this from from various angles of everything that you just said including you know like romantic partners and stuff so i i think that one of the reasons why people often and again i'm just using us as an example because it's it's convenient um people often look at us and are so surprised that we don't have any sort of romantic involvement because there is this sort of cultural underlying disbelief that a a hetero man and a hetero woman can be friends and have nothing else going on. There's there's just sort of this core like, oh, someone must be harboring feelings or it's only a matter of time before something develops or something must have happened in the past and then one of them shut it down or whatever it is. And there seems to be this misunderstanding in a lot of ways about the fact that a man and a woman can actually just be friends. And then when um, each of those people have romantic relationships that get involved as well, this is where some things can get definitely very tricky because it's, it's really important to own your partner 
and to make them feel involved and welcomed in the friendship by both parties in in the in the friendship both people need to make that active effort and we actually just had a, a great conversation uh, about this yesterday with your partner and we were talking about because uh, she and I have very similar views on how these types of things should be managed and you are deeply important to me you're one of the people closest to my heart as a platonic friend and you have been for some time and it is there Therefore, very important to me that whoever is most important in your life, I make a very active effort to to befriend them on my own, not not even like, you know, using you as the proxy. Like I go straight to them and I like introduce myself and I have a chat with them and I I am warm with them because I want to get to know them because you, I have a lot of respect for you, and you clearly see amazing qualities in in this person or, or these people. And then that is really important to me. And I want them to feel comfortable with me being in your life. And on my side of, of the equation, I have dated men who have not been comfortable with my friendship with you. Um, they have referred to it as very unconventional. And I said, well, I'm unconventional. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> and I've also made it very clear that you're not going anywhere. Like you, you are family to me and you are like my brother and I, I am very loyal human. And this is where, this is another factor that can come into place because sometimes the things that we love most about a partner can also end up being the things that we end up disliking about them. So partners of mine love my loyalty, but they might not love my loyalty when it means that I am also loyal to you as my friend. Mm -hmm. And that there has to be some some compromise there. And and I am also the first one to say that, yes, conversations need to be had. Communication needs to be had. There needs to be um, dynamics that, that are involved here to make your partner feel as comfortable as possible with it, while still also taking note of your own values, your own um, cultivating your your own rich, fulfilling life outside of your romantic relationship as well. Like all of these things are really important and there has to be some some balance that gets created within the context of the, the relationship. Mm. Yeah, I think um, the la- that last little part you talked about there, I think, for, well, for me, I, I kind of see it as like, um, I can understand this perhaps if you're 20. If you're 19, 20, 21, 22, you haven't had many relationships. Uh, you have a sort of a Disney Hollywood fairy tale version of relationships. You've just come out of high school, you know, and uh, you're thinking that this, it, you know, there's always uh, some kind of uh, attraction there. I think as you begun to move into your 30s and 40s and have perhaps more experience, that this should begin to, in my opinion, now, I think we all should check in with ourselves. We're human. There's no judgment here. If this is something that continues to bother you, you're not alone. In fact, you're probably in the majority, but in my way. And again, I always like to say, like, I'm, I'm also unconventional. And a lot of the listeners know that I like it very much when we can have a charitable disagreement. And so, but my opinion on this is, that there is an element of immaturity, in my opinion. It's not a judgment. I'm not trying to say, you know, you're bad or whatever. I'm not trying to say I'm good or whatever. I'm just saying I believe, perhaps wrongly, maybe, that this is a level of immaturity in relationships. That as you mature in relationships, you start to have some understandings. And these are the understandings that I think you should begin to have in a mature relationship. Here, here, here are some of them. Um, first, this idea that your romantic partner can be and or should be your everything, I think is an immature belief. Um, and I think that once you have any kind of level of experience in relationships, you find that that, uh, that view uh, causes a lot of lot of issues because ultimately a relationship should be something that enhances and grows each other. And if you two are the only people enhancing and growing each other, you can become in a box. It's very much the same way if I'm just an individual and I don't have any friends at all, right? I just become in this circular thinking and I never get outside of my own beliefs. And I become very entrenched and dogmatic and biased and see the world in a very narrow way. I think if your only, uh, you know, uh, growth outlet is your romantic partner, the two of you can easily get into that sort of same cycle. And so I'm a big proponent of 
uh, you have to have your life. I have to have my life. And then we have our life. And I oftentimes uh, call this the you, me dynamic. So there's you and you alone as an entity. There's me and me alone as an entity. And when we come together, we create this third entity that I like to call you slash me or you, me. And ultimately, from my perspective, if you and me as independent entities create this third entity and make that us and try to make that us, we lose ourselves. And then we cannot sustain the relationship. Versus if each of us are pouring energy into this thing while also pulling energy out and perhaps most importantly, gathering energy from outside sources that have nothing to do with the you, me, us and the you. And by doing that, we're able to pull resources, energetic resources from outside the relationship and infuse that into the relationship. So there's always this source of new energy, new knowledge, um, coming refreshed and, and wanting to hang out with the person so we don't get burnt out on that particular person. And we're building this you-me dynamic to be a very strong thing. So to me, then I go, um, you need to have an outside world. And that outside world should include, in my mind, uh, a diverse uh, group of individuals, including um, people of the same romantic I- inclination as you. Here would be an example that you and I have shared. You may be dating someone, and this has happened with you and I, and I might be interested in or dating someone. And I say, you know, let me get a female's perspective on this and a, and a hetero female, because I'm hetero's perspective on this. Am I right or am I wrong in this? And that alone uh, allows me to see it more from my partner's point of view just by talking uh, to you. Um, likewise, there's certain things that you and I might vibe with and, uh, be, um, you know, have conversations about that I might not have with my romantic partner. Perhaps they're not as business oriented. They don't like having conversations about, uh, dynamics of relationships where you and I, that's sort of where, uh, we are constantly in that zone of like, what makes a a good relationship, a bad relationship romantically. Maybe they don't want to have those, um, conversations. And so from my perspective, I can pull from interacting with you understandings about my partner, as well as I can pull um, sort of these areas that me and my partner don't necessarily vibe on. Another example of this would be my mother and my father, who my mother had her art and uh, her art, her friends who were her art friends. And many of her teachers who were her mentors were men. And my father, rather than stifling that or being jealous about that, was just, this is Joyce's thing, and she needs this, you know, whether conscious or unconscious, he was like, this is something that she gets filled up by. Now, if he's going to be jealous related to these mentors who are men or her going to these conferences where there's men in her field, in this art, artistic field, you know, he's going to essentially um, suppress some of my mother's outlets into the world, which is going to, without him even know stifle or smother an aspect of their relationship. So in a very real sense, in my opinion, you have any type of experience in this realm, you start to realize that if you're going to start to police your partner's relationships outside of the uh, you-me dynamic, you are going to smother unknowingly oftentimes a certain aspect of the you-me dynamic. The final thing I'll say here is that Yes, it is very important to have the conversation. And I'm a person who's had an affair in the past. And that affair came from a relationship that was just a friendship. So I'm fully aware of the uh, risks that many people have because I did fall for those risks. So you might say, well, Jade, and how are you saying both? Because I would say that it was not the friendship idea that, you know, this person came into my world. What I'm saying and hypothesizing here is that the you-me dynamic of me and my wife at that time was fractured and frayed to a large degree because I did not have a whole lot of friends outside of that relationship. And that is what opened me up to that particular person. Now, I know this seems completely backwards to people because they're saying, well, if you weren't exposed to anyone, else you wouldn't have been able to make this romantic connection. And I simply go, that's the risk 
of being in romantic dynamic with somebody and you ha- you can have it one of two ways you can either stifle them and try to police their all their relationships including their you know uh opposite sex relationships uh or you can just say i'm going to be confidently detached which you and i've done a podcast on that as well i'm going to build and sustain this you me dynamic and really uh help my partner get everything they need outside and everything they need inside the relationship so we can grow this relationship, knowing full well the risks versus the other approach is let me, you know, try to stifle the relationship. Let me try to police it, which is exhausting in itself. And I think what that's going to do is that is actually going to shrink that you, me dynamic faster. And they're going to find outlets, outside outlets, and you're actually going to force it that direction. So I know some people might say, I just disagree with that. And other people might say, I see what you're saying, Jade. But from my perspective, this is really the only way it works. And this doesn't come just from my experience. It comes from working with hundreds, if not thousands of people in this domain. I, you know, We work in this domain. I read research in this domain. Um, so do you. I honestly think this is the way to approach it. And we can rehash it. You know, So I want to see what your thoughts are. And there's, there are risks here. And, and we might want to even talk about how do we manage uh, those risks. And I have thoughts about that, but I want to see what you have to say about all of that. That's what I was going to bring up too, is like maybe helping to guide some people around some of the lines, because you and I kind of mentioned that on an episode that we did around uh, dating, social media, and like dating with integrity. Um, so we can reference that one as well, but there, there are some aspects of that. But first, I do really want to mention the... Sorry, my mic is... Um, getting too close to me um i think that one of the aspects is the idea of like being stifled in a relationship because i have been in relationships before where i i have been the one stifled i've been in relationships before where i was probably the one doing some of the stifling and the problem with that is that one of the most painful parts of the ending of a relationship that had become a very unhealthy dynamic is not so much the losing of the other person it's the recovery from the losing the pieces of ourselves because we can get over the heartbreak in you know weeks months whatever usually that happens actually faster it can sometimes feel excruciating long excruciatingly long but it that normally actually happens faster than the recovery of the pieces that we lost of ourselves which can take years hmm. to recover and I talk to people about that a lot because it's an aspect of heartbreak that we don't always we don't always separate out. And the reason why I bring that up is that when we are in a relationship where we feel stifled and we we allow that self-betrayal to happen, then it actually is damaging us at the same time too. And we have to be really conscious of that, that whenever we are, are doing that to another person or whenever we are having that done to us and, and we play a role in like allowing that other person to to do that to us because we, we take responsibility for our own actions, then that really, it, it not only kills off a, a part of ourself, but it also is a, an absolute breeding ground for contempt and resentment within the context of the relationship. And we talked on another episode uh, that we recorded about why people want to be in relationships. And I brought up the fact that we we have, I argued the fact because you don't necessarily agree with me, but there are aspects of ourselves that we can't necessarily access or tap into fully without a romantic relationship, the right romantic relationship to allow us to see those parts of us. And when we're in a romantic relationship where we are feeling stifled, then it no longer becomes growth oriented at all. It it becomes crushing. It's crushing. And we can feel that I have had the experience of being in a relationship where I could feel parts of myself dying off. And now I'm so conscious to it that if I feel that at all, I know that either something in the dynamic has to shift very quickly or on both sides, or that the relationship is not going to work. And I will not tolerate it at all from myself or from anyone else. So that's a, a really important piece. And and just the entire idea of allowing, like to me, love means expanding into the fullness of ourselves and helping the other person to expand into the fullness of their of, of themselves as well. And a lot of that comes with having these these enriching lives that each of us bring to the table and not just cutting that off just because you're in a romantic relationship with each other. And 
that that also ties into like cultivating time to like miss each other a little bit and and really bringing that that back into the relationship in a really beautiful way. Now, the other side of that is when we are talking about um even the aspects of coming to a friend, let's say like I'm coming to you with a relationship problem that I'm having and you and I have done this multiple times on both sides. And there's also a moment there where we have to, and you and I've talked about this, um, just figuring out when we're coming to somebody with a relationship issue, not overstepping the betraying the intimacy of the romantic relationship by doing that. So asking for it. So Jade, if I'm coming to you with a relationship issue, I, I want to make sure that I'm doing it in a way where my partner, I'm still preserving the intimacy of my relationship with my partner. And, and the same for you, because there are very intimate aspects of a romantic relationship that need to stay within the context of that relationship. I feel that there are lines where I'm not going to just, um, you know, spill all my partner's dirty secrets to my best friend, because that, that would betray my partner in a lot of ways. And that would betray my own moral code that I hold myself to for that other person. So we have to sometimes figure out where those lines are too, like giving you the, inf- the necessary information as my, my dear friend to be able to have enough of the picture to give me advice on it while not, um, overstepping and making my partner potentially feel really uncomfortable. Like, Oh, I I only told you that I didn't want that to go outside of the relationship. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And then I think we should also get into a little bit more of the intricacies of how to show up in a friendship when with someone of the opposite sex, particularly once that person gets involved with someone. Mm. Well, I think absolutely it's, it's critical, but this goes back to just, um, what you're talking about there in terms of sharing too much about the relationship goes back, I think, to just good social dynamics in particular. For example, um, I talk a lot about gossip and we should talk a little bit about this. And, you know, gossip is one of these things that is um, a uh, key aspect of being human. Uh, you know, researchers have looked at this. Um, they've studied societies and how gossip impacts relationships. And what they find is that uh, gossip has this sort of dual effect. On the one hand, the two people talking um, about, uh, you know, the other person not in the room. And by the way, it's about 80% of the conversations that we have with others are about people not in the room. It's a very high amount of individual uh, of the conversation of our conversation. And to me, I go um, this idea of someone not being in the room and you talking about them, it can go one of two ways. It can actually make the person you're talking to uh, not trust you, be suspicious of you, um, or it can make the you two become much more close. And from my perspective, after reading this research and sort of putting uh, together, you know, sort of my way of looking at it, I look at it like there's sort of this idea of venting, dishing, and then talking shit. And venting is more like, hey, look, um, I've got this thing going on with my partner. Like if you're talking to me about a romantic partner, um, I've got this thing uh, going on and just wondering what your take is on it. And when you explain it to me, it's not shedding the other person in a negative light. It's actually, uh, playing a very objective game where you're like, you know, they see it this way. I see it this way. You know, I'm just wondering how you see it. This is sort of from my perspective, just this sort of venting. It's just like, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated with, uh, the fact that we see things differently, but maybe I'm wrong. So it's not this idea that they're wrong and they're bad and I'm right. And whose side are you going to be on? It's more on this thing of like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this a little bit. And to me, I think that is a very healthy, natural way to um, have to gossip. And I think that those kind of conversations, the way you know that it's healthy is you would probably feel comfortable, maybe not as completely comfortable if they weren't in the room, but you wouldn't if that uh, if that whole conversation was recorded and played back to the person who wasn't in the room, you wouldn't feel like um, you did anything wrong. There would be no guilt, no shame. And you would kind of be like, you know, yeah, they, they would see it perhaps the same way. And that's how I look at it. I'm always like, if my conversation is being recorded and I'll come back to this in, in uh, dynamics with out, people outside the relationship as well. But I always feel like if my conversation was recorded and played back to someone in the room, would I feel... Uh, in my integrity without shame or guilt. 
So to me, that's venting. Dishing to me goes into a little bit. It starts to get into this this realm of um, my status is trying to be elevated. I feel somehow less than or uh, uh, perhaps um, held down, perhaps, or like I am in the right and they're in the wrong. It starts to become this sort of charge, negative, positive, and a subtle you know, tell me I'm right, tell me they're wrong, or a subtle me trying to raise my status while lowering theirs. And it's a gray zone in this area because it's hard to put a handle on it, but you can know because you kind of go, all right, like this is starting to feel a little bit like, you know, this person is not here to defend themselves. You ever have that feeling where it's like this person isn't here to defend themselves and maybe really this is getting slightly uncomfortable versus like an outright like, she's a bitch or he's an asshole or you wouldn't believe the shit he did or this and that. To me, that last part is absolutely off limits um, when you're talking to a friend about your relationship, whether it's, you know, a same sex friend or an opposite sex friend. That is completely disrespectful. And from my perspective, being someone that you might want to talk to about, I would not tolerate that. I'd be like, you know, and I have in the past when I was younger, And I've always been embarrassed about it. The dishing part, too, I would be like, you know, let's, you know, I'm not feeling comfortable with this. The venting part is is how to handle these things. So that's the first thing I would say about gossip, the venting part of like, I see it this way. They see it this way. Would you lend a perspective? That's the kind of conversations I think you should be having. Otherwise, it tilts too much into the zone where your romantic partner could be like, what the fuck? Like, what? Why are you having this conversation in that way? And in that venting department, you keep a lot of things uh, under wraps. Now, this goes, in my mind, same thing. If you're in a relationship with um, a man, and especially if I'm single, but just in general, if I'm going to send messages to um, to Emily, I'm going to include your partner. I do this a, a ton with all my uh, very close girlfriends, and I am a tough person to be in a relationship with uh, because I have a lot of, most of my friends are girls, girl buddies, and I have a lot of exes who are friends. But what I will always do is include them in the conversation. Like, you know, it's Thanksgiving right now, so when I'm sending out, hey, happy Thanksgiving, love you, it will be, hey, happy Thanksgiving, love you too, hope you, had, you both had the best relationship. And the reason I do that is for their benefit, for my benefit and the partner's benefit. Because, again, I like to have this thing where I'm like, if someone saw this, would I feel in my integrity or does it give anyone any wiggle room? And oftentimes I will send two separate messages, you know, and, you know, Thanksgiving actually is a great time to do it because I'll just be like, I'm so grateful that Emily, you know, has a friend like you and that I've gotten to know you and that we're becoming close and blah, blah, blah. And this is how, in my mind, you, uh, you know, sort of begin to do this. You, you include the other person's romantic partner constantly, including when you're going out and asking out. Let's all do dinner sometimes. It's got to be an inclusive thing. And this brings me to um, uh, my girlfriend, who's um, just pretty damn amazing at this, but she does have some strong boundaries, rightly so. And uh, I'll let you take off on this and then we'll come back to it. But she has a a particular rule. The reason why you and her, um, you know, sort of got close outside of me is because it's like what she says that she goes, look, if your your girlfriends, from my perspective, if it was me, because she does. And we all do this. Me, you and her all do this where I'm like, if it's me, I want people to behave oftentimes uh, in a way that I would find. Uh, appropriate. And so she would say, if I'm making friends with a guy who has a girlfriend, I'm going to reach out to that girlfriend directly. And you did that and always do that, by the way, you did that with her and you always sort of do that with her. And a couple other uh, of my girlfriends have done that uh, with her and others have not. And rightly so, she goes, these girls I'm completely fine with because I know them. I've developed a racial relationship with them. They obviously have reached out to me and the others I feel a bit uncomfortable with. And again, rightly so. So there's three things right there that I think are important. I want to get your take and then we can go in a couple of directions. But I do think we should not um, forget, you know, this idea of talking a little bit more about how you, you know, how you build your own energetics up with outside relationships. But I do think 
that this has to be inclusive. You can't just be uh, like, hey, I have these other friendships. You're not involved with them. So uh, and that I think that includes men as well. You know, uh, and and I'll, I'll just say one more thing that you said just to drive this home. The worst thing we can do as humans is we all know what this is like when we're having a rough relationship and we dish and or shit talk too much to other people, especially family members and friends about how difficult this has been. And then they end up hating that person. And then we're mad at them because they hate our person when we don't realize we're the ones that caused it in the first place because we only gave them one side of the story. And this happens all the time where where family will just not like this person because they've only always got because the, the person is too immature or hasn't developed the maturity to not shit talk and doesn't realize that they've created the hate. They've created the disconnect between their friends and family and their romantic partner. And that in the end, that also ends up breaking up the relationship because they just go, everyone hates my person. Why not realizing that they hate your person because you train them to hate your person? Let me interrupt the show just for a few minutes because I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Evolve Telemed. One of the questions I get all of the time, one of the services that you are asking me for constantly is hormone replacement therapy. Women going through menopause, women going through perimenopause, women in postmenopause, women under stressful situations who are dealing with low sex hormone levels, estrogen and progesterone are constantly asking me about progesterone therapy or estrogen and progesterone therapy. And men, same thing, constantly asking me about testosterone replacement therapy. Plenty of you Many of you always asking, Jade, can you prescribe me hormones? I need testosterone if you're a man, or I need estrogen and progesterone or testosterone if you're a woman. And I always have to say that I am no longer seeing patients in this way because my educational duties are keeping me so busy. And this is where Evolve Telemed comes in. I have been looking for a company that does bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, and that is critically important. If you're going to be doing HRT or TRT, HRT being hormone replacement therapy for women, TRT being testosterone replacement therapy for men, if you are going to do these therapies, you want the bioidentical hormones. You want the hormones that your body makes naturally, that your body can recognize, that is no different from the hormones your body would make if you were making adequate levels. Bioidentical hormone replacement therapy does just this. And Evolve Telemed is a company that I am now using for my own testosterone replacement needs and have been super impressed with the way that they have structured their business model. And so I am now bringing this service to you through my partnership with Evolve Telemed. Essentially, the way this works is you go online, you make an appointment with Evolve. Evolve gets a doctor with you on a Zoom call. They go through your whole case. They go through your blood labs. They then prescribe your hormones directly to you, and you can get those hormones wherever you are. You do not have to go to a clinic near you. All you need is to have an internet access point and you can meet with an expert in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and get those prescriptions. Now you can see why this is so powerful, can't you? Because this is something that so many of us need and can benefit from for our aging needs, our sexual health needs. These things have profound impact on mood, hair, skin, erections, libido, you name it. These things do everything for our metabolic health and vitality. So I'm incredibly excited to bring Evolve Telemed to you. Now, the link that you go to is drjade.com slash hormones. drjade.com slash hormones. This will bring you to the Evolve Telemed portal. If you use the code next level, you will get a discount on checkout for your first patient visit. I'm very excited to be able to bring this to you, and I hope you will use Evolve Telemed. I know you're going to find it extremely powerful to move your hormone needs over 
to them. Check them out. Evolve Telemed. Use the link drj.com slash hormones. drj.com slash hormones for Evolve Telemed. And let's get back to the show. And because they're they're being protective too. You know, when I was in my nine-year relationship, there was there was a, a really significant issue that we had years before we ended up breaking up. And it did not make him look good. Like if I had shared what what had gone on, it would not have made him look good at all. And I was very conscious to that. And I was in a moment where I was like, okay, even if we do end up breaking up from this. I want it to be on on like like my terms, our terms, as opposed to having outside influence around that. So there there were it was it was the type of situation where I kind of had to share it with like a couple people cl- very closest to me, but they I knew that they would not share it outside of that, and I also knew that I could trust them to not be judgmental and hold it against my partner at the time. But other than that, I kept it under absolute lock and key because I was so conscious of what you're talking about, Jade, where I was like, I am not, I refuse to have anyone in my life turn against my partner, especially if he and I end up working it out and it's fine. And he and I did end up working it out and and it, things were fine relatively for the next few years until things ended for, for a different reason. But it, I even have clients actually that they sometimes if they're having a really significant issue, I had one of one of these things recently where a client came to me and my client said, you know, you are literally the only person I'm coming to with this because I don't want anyone in my life to turn against my partner because yeah, they fucked up. They made a mistake and I recognize that it was a mistake, but I don't want anyone to think about them differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's a really important point to make. And yes, I get it. Like sometimes we do need to get an outside perspective. We, we need to um, be able to gain an opinion or even sometimes a validation sometimes. Like as someone who was like gaslighted for many years, there have been moments where something that I thought was normal wasn't actually necessarily normal. And I needed a very trusted person outside of me to remind me of that, to reflect it back to me. So yes, it can absolutely be valuable, but just being really conscious of that. The other thing too, that I think that we need to, um, to mention a little bit is the, the whole idea. I think that one of the reasons why men and women are often looked at as, as not being able to be friends often gets a little bit more turned towards the man of like, oh, he must be into her. And and obviously this can very much go both ways, clearly. But I do think that a lot of people look at the men like, oh, he just he he must want to just fuck her. And first of all, that's not fair to to like turn it more towards one than the other because it can very much go both ways. But how do we kind of finesse that a little bit to change some of the perspectives around that. Like, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because that is a really common opinion that I hear. Yeah. And again, it's an, it's an incredibly immature. Absolutely. It's an incredibly immature, naive, and just a culture level um, perspective. The idea that men are somehow at the whims of their penis is just plain dumb and in fact insulting it is insulting. Um, you know and and from my perspective any any man with any um sense of self and any shit would would just be like you know what i don't mess with people who believe stuff like that however it is something that is seen and let's talk a little bit about why that is so um the fact of the matter is men when they are young again gross generalization um, there is a lot of exploration that goes on and they are very much, um, I think, perhaps more so. And again, we need to, you know, with this, we got to have to be very loose with these gross generalizations because um, women are far more private in their sexuality because of culture level concerns. Men are far more open in their sexuality because of culture level concerns, meaning that when we are young, a man who is, uh, you know, um, has lots of sexual partners or seems to be someone who gets female attention is not looked down upon. In fact, with their male friends and with society in general, it's either a not looked down upon or perhaps even looked like, Oh, this person is, you know, I don't know, like, you know, positively they'll, you know, you'll oftentimes be looked at, especially amongst men. Now it's the opposite on the other side, a woman who is seen to be too romantically involved with too many people 
culture has this either uh, this they lean that, oh, she's, you know, must be a slut or must be a whore or whatever. And so some of these things are at play here. Right. So women would be necessarily uh, far less likely to be open about their sexual advances and their sexual um, uh, experience versus men. So when we are young, we have these dynamics going on. Uh, men are often more less hiding it. Women are, you know, a little bit more subtle in it. So this is where some of these ideas um, come from. I also would say, you know, men and testosterone and just from an evolutionary perspective, this has some reasoning behind it as well. Men have a propensity to want to, quote, spread their seed when they are young. And if they don't have, um, you know, standards and, uh, you know, uh, values and an honor code and things like this, this can become the pursuit of power and pleasure through romantic uh, encounters. And you'll see many, many people like this. Now, we don't know the extent to which this is going on with women. It certainly is actually going on quite a lot, if not as much. It is just not the same way of doing it. Um, for example, women uh, who poach, uh, poach other people's mates. You know, this is a very common thing that is very subtle among women, uh, you know, of younger, you know, because they gain a sense of status and a sense of, oh, if I'm getting attention, from this particular man who's with someone else. And so a lot of this stuff is is going on. So I think we have to look at this with a grain of salt, but I do think from an evolutionary perspective, and if we're looking at young men, what you're saying here is perhaps true. What we have to then do is go, let's look, let's try to look at this as next level men, men who've had experiences, who have learned, who um, are very honest with their romantic romantic inclinations. I'm a monogamous. I'm a serial monogamous. I'm, uh, you know, a uh, ethical non-monogamist. I'm a uh, I'm polyamorous. Like we have many different things, and it's really about being um, sort of honest here. But it is very insulting to a mature man to be seen as a 20 year old man. In the same way that it would be very insulting for someone to say to a woman, you know, women are just so emotionally volatile and, you know, uh, or, oh, she must be on her period or whatever. Incredibly, you know, um, rude and, you know, obviously not true, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, an individual. But certainly we can see when we are young, you know, that some of this stuff might be going on. Woman having menses for the first time, not seeing, understanding some of the brain changes and being a particular way. And then that follows women you know, throughout, you know, uh, society. And so we have to give these notions up if we want next level human, um, if we want next level human uh, relationships. And so I don't know if I answered that question fully or if you had something else in mind that you wanted me to cover, but I think that that is certainly a big issue here. And then the final thing I'll say about that is that if you, if I'm dating a woman who sees me that way, that's going to be, uh, it's going to be over relatively quickly. There is no way I'm going to be around a woman who just sees me and paints me with a broad brush, two broad brushes, by the way, a broad brush of men are this way. I'm like, you don't get it. You have, you're relatively immature. You have not you know, gotten to an, an understanding where you need to treat individuals as individuals. That's the first broad brush. And the second broad brush is don't paint me. And this one's much harder. But don't paint me with the broad brush of my history. Now, let's be clear. Uh, my girlfriend, you know, uh, one of the things that we talked about is she said, oh, my friend is was a little concerned um, about you and your past history that you had an affair or whatever and that you cheated. And I said, well, she should be. Your history absolutely matters. Like, that's a good friend. I don't take that at all as she should be. History matters. And at the same time, if you paint me with that broad br brush and you see me that way, this isn't going to last very long because pe it is difficult to change, but people do change. Um, and you're just going to have to see that I'm different or not. But if you paint me with that broad brush right up front and or have in the back of your mind that you're constantly worried about me, this isn't going to last very long. But those are the two ways that I would say this goes wrong. When you just go, all men are this way and they're just trying to plant their seed and they just want to get with women, that is an incredibly naive and immature viewpoint. And at the same time, then if you just go, because they were this way in the past, they must be this way now, is also incredibly damaging uh, to a relationship. And what we're talking about here is next level 
relationships. We're talking about growth related relationships. And if you do either of those, that's going to be extremely problematic. Yeah. And, and I just think too, that there is so much to be gained by learning more about the opposite sex. And I don't even really care, like no matter how you identify, like whether you are straight, gay, doesn't, doesn't matter. However you identify, there's a lot to be learned from learning from other humans. Again, no matter no matter how how you identify, I don't think that it's a good idea to just surround yourself with like one set of of people or humans and and from a particular group and then just call it a day. Like these these are relationships that can continue to be cultivated over time and so many people come to me wondering how to create friendships as an adult. And one of the aspects to that, I, I think, is is to also be open to creating friendships with someone of the opposite sex. But it, wh- I, I also get asked, you know, why do I have uh, a very open, compassionate view on men? And one of the reasons is because I have lots of really incredible men in my life, like very platonically, like amazing men in my life that I get to talk to, to gain perspectives on that are different from my own and to understand better. And then I'm able to go out into the world and teach that to others. But anyone has access to that. Anyone can go out and and cultivate those kinds of friendships and relationships if you're open to it. The other thing actually that as as we've been talking about sort of like sharing intimate details uh, of a relationship and stuff, the other thing that I think is actually really interesting to bring up here is about the fact that women tend to share far more sexual details than men. Mm-hmm. And that is such a a myth for some reason I, I I have I mean the opposite way is a myth because you know a lot of women will have this idea of like what goes on in a locker room basically just using that as an example like locker room talk. And I'm like do you know what men talk about? Men talk about did you have sex? Yeah. Was it good? Yep. Moving on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas women usually give away and I have been guilty of this in the past giving away the very, very intimate details sometimes. And it's it's not usually meant in, in a malicious way at all. I think with a lot of women, it can be sort of like a, is this normal type of thing? Or have you had to, this type of experience? But then going into some of the intimate details while explaining it. And I don't necessarily think that's okay. I have changed how I I approach that usually. Um, but I, I do think that that's an interesting point to make as well, because a lot of times that's another stereotype that gets fed into. And it's actually, in, in my experience, usually completely wrong. And and especially talking to a lot of the men in my life, it's usually completely wrong. Like you guys don't share a ton of details with each other even than most people seem to expect. But when we can create relationships with the opposite sex, you just get different viewpoints on the world. You, you expand your worldview, which is what your entire platform is about next level human and what my entire platform is about room to grow. Mm-hmm. It's it's creating that space where you can expand into the new versions of yourself and to create more comp- compassion, to gain new perspectives and to see a completely different view of the world. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I um speaking of like I, you and I are incredibly close. You've seen me uh, go through several different uh, romantic relationships. I don't think once that I've ever nor would I, you know, give detailed information about my sex life? Have I ever done that? I'm just curious. No. Yeah. And, and I'm just and, and I'm also just thinking of all my best friends. Uh, I don't know much about their right. sex lives. And when they do talk about it, they're mainly talking about themselves. Like, you know, I'm having trouble maintaining an erection or, you know, I don't know, like what the deal is with it usually is around like erections and stuff like that if they're very mm-hmm. sort of close. But rarely is it around you know, she did this or she did that or right. her body looks like this or I'm turned off by this or it's almost never. I can't even think actually of one encounter that I've had with and it would be incredibly odd for me. And I'm even thinking back to when I was young. And this this brings me to this. I'll just briefly say this. I don't this locker talk thing because this was a thing with, uh, you know, I forget. Was it was it Trump? I, I forget who it was, but it was some some politician who says something, I think it was Donald Trump or, or whatever. And it was a big to do. And people were just saying, well, that's just locker talk. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm like, honestly, I have never, uh, you know, heard that, you know, and this is high school. I played sports. I was a bouncer. <laughs> you know, I was around men in very manly 
no. Like, I think that is largely a myth. And honestly, uh, I would say I can think of a few people, you know, some of the frat boys I knew, that frat boy type or those type of people. It usually was like maybe one dude who just everyone thought was an ass. Yeah. Like, and everyone sort of looked that way. So I do think that is incredibly, again, the wrong brush to paint for men. And I do think us men, like, we get a bad rap, you know, we... You know, because of it's like the a few bad apples doing a few messed up things, you know, and most men are not that way. And we become far more if I hear anything now from a lot of my friends, we become far less likely to confidently uh, go out into the world and approach uh, people in a romantic way. Whereas, you know, flirting uh, may have, we may have been more comfortable with that asking people out. We may have been more comfortable than, uh, you know. And nowadays it has become a lot of us have, you know, been like, this is very uncomfortable. We're in a very uncomfortable, you know, place with it. So I do think that is something that is an issue related to uh, to men. Now, the other aspect of this that I would say, because we're talking about this, is you you do need to cultivate very good friends. So if we're talking about next level human, I would also say this about my male friends. If I said something about my current romantic partner, to any of my male friends, and and I started to lean, and I, this would be the case. I can't think of any of my male friends this wouldn't be the case with. But let's say I started to lean um, on the side of being derogatory or being like, you know, she's a, a pain in the ass or whatever. I don't think any of my male friends would do anything but go make, you know, point me back to being responsible. Like, and, and they certainly wouldn't buy into that where it'd be like, yeah, let's like, you know, let's now have a bashing, you know, uh, you know, uh, episode with your romantic partner. Most of them would be turn it back to me and or point out what I was doing. Right. And, and, and the, this goes again to friendships and same with um, the women, uh, you know, that might be in your life, like the women that are in my life, like you, I have several close friends like you who are women who would never uh, and only ever be like, you know, Jade, don't forget, like, and, and probably be coming to bat for my romantic partner, helping me see what I can't see in that relation. However, I will say the following, and this is something that um, maybe I'll get your take on and, and the audience can give me their own advice silently here as well, because I have something that I'm also pretty clear on, but I'm still... And, I alluded to this in a past podcast you and I did, but I'm still like iffy on this. I'm, this is an area that I'm still sort of trying to figure out. I do have uh, people in my life who are exes who I've been romantic with, who I have zero desire to be romantic with now or ever again in the future, who I believe feel the same way about me, but I don't know for sure, right? Um, I also have a few people in my life who I was romantically connected with or uh, romantically curious about um, for a time who I'm not at all anymore and who may have been romantically curious about me for a time who I don't think they are at all anymore. And I'm still friends with these people and I still hang out with them on occasion, much less because I'm in a romantic relationship now. But that's the relationship that I am a little bit like these. Those are the relationships I'm a little bit like this with. There's history there. I have deep love for some of these people, have zero inclination to be romantic with them. When I was single, we, I was no longer romantic with them. So this isn't something new. Like it's going from one, like a recent ex. I would be like, that probably would be a no-no for me. But these are people with history. And I do think that um, my current romantic partner or any woman uh, who's getting in a romantic relationship with someone would be extra, uh, extra uncomfortable with that, perhaps. This is someone you slept with before. This is someone you've been romantic with before. And you're still wanting to be friends with them. That's tricky. And see, where I'm at currently is there was a time where I was like, you know, I want to begin to just distance myself from these people. And, and I have and not distance from like, I don't want to be friends with them, but just be less, uh, less emotionally attached, partly because I wanted to make the space for my romantic partners, new romantic partners. And I knew that would be uncomfortable, but I'm still in this place where I still think those relationships as their friendship relationships are very useful and there's history there and I am loyal. And so I, I do go back and forth with that, right? Like these are people I don't see much at all anymore, but I still 
text with, connect with, and make sure it's completely platonic. It's it's a very normal friendship, but there is that history there. That's a slightly different uh, type of relationship that I could see someone being uncomfortable about. We all have to make our decisions. Right now, I was, you know, I'm leaning towards, look, you know, history-wise, I'm not going to not be friends with these people. However, I don't want to be as engaged with them uh, as I once was in general, whether I was, you know, whether I'm, I am single or not. And that's something that I do think is something you're going to have to communicate, especially in that particular dynamic. Uh, now, I don't think many people are like me, so that might not be, um, you know, but uh, everyone has an ex, one or two that they're still close with. And that becomes. Do they? Uh, I think so. Do you? Do no. you not? You don't have any exes that you're close with. No. My current romantic partner does, you know, um, where there's a major person who they're still friends with, that there's history there and they're still friends with. Um, but this is something that for me, I go, I, I, I'm still trying to figure this out because I don't like the idea. And I do think, you know, and I could be corrected on this, but I do think it's, again, it's relatively immature thing to be like, because I've slept with you in the past, we can't be friends at all anymore. Um, now, obviously that relationship, that dynamic has to change, but that is something that I'm, I'm a little like this with that I think I'd be interested in hearing your, your take on. You and I have talked about this a lot. Mm-hmm. We have talked about this a lot because we we do differ on this. Now, I also I also meet you in the middle on this too because I I see I very much see the different perspectives to it. I'm very open to the different perspectives to it. In my opinion, exes carry an energy. Exes carry an energy, and I think that particularly with a a new romantic partner in in your life, um, that it's, it's really important to make sure that that person feels comfortable. You are a little bit unusual because I don't know anyone else who, who maintains nearly as, as many and, and nearly as many quality, uh, relationships with past, past lovers and, and past partners. And it is, again, it's like one of those things where it's, it's some of your qualities that are so beautiful about you that, that people love and adore, then that, that doesn't, you don't just drop someone like a hot potato when, when you're no longer romantically involved with them. And that's a really beautiful thing. I, I give you so much credit for that. And I do think that we have to be really conscious of that. Now, in my past, I don't have exes that I particularly want to have any connection with. So it's it's not really, just for me personally, I, I always say to you, I'm like, I'm not sure that I'm the best person necessarily to to make my argument because there's, I don't have past exes that I, I miss particularly. Like, you know, after I moved on from them, like there, there isn't really anything there that I wanted to continue to keep in my life. There could be people that I'm involved with in the future that maybe I would feel differently about. And I'm very open to that, but I would still be doing whatever I could to make sure that my romantic partner felt incredibly comfortable with whatever connection I had with that. And I would very much be putting distance between me and them, particularly when there was somebody new involved or, or even if they had someone new in their life. Again, I don't mean necessarily like I, I'm never going to be the person to tell someone to cut people out of, out of their life. I'm never going to tell anybody that, um, kind of no matter what the dynamic is, like everyone needs to take care of themselves, whatever is best for you. And I do think that there can be beautiful things that we can learn from those people. And, and having had like a, a deep connection with someone and a lot of history, you don't necessarily want to just throw that away. If it's the right person to, to keep in your life and both parties are very clear on the boundaries and everything else, that's great. I also think that there can be instances where, if a past partner still has interest in us and we continue to maintain a relationship with them, where is the line? Where is the line where it actually sometimes may become cruel to the other person to, it, it, it's, it's not that we're even cultivating hope, but if it is truly unhealthy for them and, and we can see that quite clearly, the other side of that is also like, who are we to make that decision for them? And, and that they have to take responsibility for themselves. I get that. So, so there is a very, and I don't know what the answer is because I don't think that there is a, a clear black and white answer because I don't think there's a clear black and white answer to most things. But that is something to be really conscious of is recognizing those signs. And there have been times where like, I have pointed some things out to you where I'm like, you may need to take a look 
a, a closer look at this and potentially have a shift in opinion on a particular situation because I'm seeing something very different than you are. And you've come back to me a couple of times and been like, oh, you're right. Like I didn't actually notice that until you pointed it out. And, or you saw something play out later where you're like, oh yeah, Emily, like you actually called that. And I need, I need to like, look at that a different way. Yeah. hundred percent. And maybe that's where we can start wrapping up and giving, um, you know, some to do's at least from the perspective of what we would do. And this, I'll start with this hundred percent agree, hundred percent, um, understand one of my dysfunctions. And I think we have to know what our dysfunctions are. One of my dysfunctions is perhaps overlook things or to be like, you know, like I'm pretty absent-minded in a lot of ways. My memory, I can look over some subtleties where I give people the benefit of the doubt. But this to me is the first piece. If you are, if you see that and you see that, okay, this person obviously is hung up on me in a way. And here's how you know. You know if you are not showing up, let's say, or don't return a text or whatever, and they are needing you. This needy energy of like, um, they need uh, affirmations from you still. They need you to be showing up still. They're going through, you know, really tough times and you're the only person that they're reaching out to. And it's pretty clear. Um, and I would say that if your romantic partner, this is another thing with romantic partners, if your romantic partner brings it up, then at least it's an issue for them and it may be something you're missing and you need to pay attention to. And this is where you would go and vent and, you know, perhaps go, Hey, you know, Emily, what do you think? Because, you know, um, my romantic partner thinks this, this other person is acting this way. I'm not sure. But I do think that ultimately boundaries are critical here. So from my perspective, it is, uh, this is how I, I act. If I know somebody is still romantically into me, now they might be, but if I really sense that they are, then, and I'm in a romantic relationship, I will not deal with that. That's just a hard no. And because it's disrespectful to the person that I'm with. And you're right, it's not even helpful to my friend. And I would argue that's actually not a friend. You're not going to know if that's a true friend who's an ex until they are completely disconnected from you. Now, this is the part where I go, it's potentially immature for people to be like, oh, they're always going to feel something for you. No, they're not. And I know they're not because I don't. Right. And I, you know, so I don't think, I think that's completely immature way to look at it. However, if you know and or you're getting signs and even if they're not into you, but they're still too romantically or too, um, not romantically, but too uh, needy and need too much of your energy, that's also potential to have a conversation with that friend and be like, look, I'm with somebody now and you know, we, I, I just need some, some distance so I can focus on growing this because that's the other thing I think that is missed. To me, if I was in a relationship with a woman who had a lot of guy friends, to me, it would be fine right up to the point where I was just like, you know, there's no energy, there's no um, energetic space for me to come in and be a man in your life because you've got all these other men in your life and all I am then is sex for you. And that's not okay with me because I, I want to be connected and, and deeply connected in a different way. That so intimacy. I, the intimacy yeah. is important. So I think setting that boundary with yourself and other people. Uh, with yourself, I don't think it is appropriate to have people in your life who you know are romantically interested in you. And that's their primary drive to want to keep interacting with you while you're with someone else. If you know that for sure, I think that should be over. Um, I also think that, you know, on the other side, if you're with a romantic partner who is got lots of, you know, uh, people of the opposite sex, like if I'm with a woman who has lots of men in her life that are platonic male friendships, but it is, it feels such that there's no space for me as a man because there's so many, that's also an issue. Uh, so that's one to do that I would say. And the other thing I would say is that um, being very careful, like I know with my current romantic partner, I've done some things because I'm absent minded that I want to be better with. Like some of the things of like introducing her, like some, like, it, you know this because you, you hang out with me just as a friend and you know, sometimes I'll see friends and I won't necessarily introduce you. I'll forget mainly because I forget the names of those people. <laughs> and Emily is one, like a lot of my friends know that they just know because of I'm bad with names and I have lots of acquaintances. It's a JT to memory. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you will do it. And a lot of my friends will just, they'll just go ahead and introduce themselves. Yeah. So they're, cause they're like, Jay doesn't remember this person's name. <laughs> so I'm going to like introduce myself so he can remember their name. But there's things like that, that I need to get better with. Cause that can, that can add to the dysfunction where it's like, oh, he's not owning me. And I think that's 
a big sign too. Like to me, I'm like, if you can't own your romantic partner, you don't deserve to be in any kind of relationship. You just don't get it yet. Yeah. And if and owning them means owning them publicly. Right. And, and this is an issue that young men, I think, often have. And those are two things that I would start with that I would be like, here's some guidelines that I would use if I'm vetting of people in particular, but also things like I think with men. Like men, I do think if they're still in that young man, let me spread my seed, let me get notches on the belt place, they're not going to own you. They're going to subtly want to like, you know, uh, stiff arm you in a way. And it will be very subtle, but it will make, you know, the ro- their romantic partner, uh, they'll know. Intuitively, that romantic partner is going to kind of be like, that's a little weird. I'm never, they never, you know, even in social media, they never reshare when I post them or they keep me out of, you know, any posts, almost like they're single, like, you know, and that kind of stuff I think is uh, problematic. And you just got to, you know, it's all about boundaries. And then the final thing for me and what to do is like, I would say this, and to me, this is about, this really is about the integrity of the relationship and helping the, the relationship get better. Quality time together, a lot of it, you know, and make sure that you're doing that. And quality time with your other friends. And then quality time with your friends and them. There's three sort of dynamics you have to have. In my mind, it's a mistake to go, I'm just going to be with my partner. And, and we're going to be that relationship. And I also think it's kind of a mistake to go, I'm going to have my partner relationship. Then I'm going to have my friend relationships. I'm going to keep them separate. That is a big, to me, that is a big problem, right? What should What, what should be going on most of the time is that, my uh, my romantic partners are integrated into these other friendships in a way that they don't feel threatened by them. So there's times where, you know, we're all hanging out together and there's times where I'm hanging out with just my friends so I can get that energy and bring it back. And there's times where obviously most of the time I'm hanging out with my partner and you need to be aware of that because I do think that's when you start opening yourself up to problems. If you completely compartmentalize um, these, uh, relationships. I totally agree with that because then there's, there's this distrust potentially as a partner to go, well, how seriously do they take me as a partner if they won't even introduce me to their, to their people or include me when I'm hanging out? Yeah. Yeah. That inclusion piece is, is like an entire love language in and of itself. And I think that's really important. I'm so glad you brought that up about the not like we aren't saying, okay, then have your partner and also just have your friends. Like there needs to be some crossover as well, because that's really, really important. And it shows that, that you are proud to be with that person too. Like that's, that's a really big piece of, of the inclusion is letting your partner know that like you're important to me and 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 I want to share you with the other most important people in my life and vice versa that's really really important so I hope that we've given people some some points on this I don't really have anything else to to add other than the fact that I mean, ultimately, I think our, our main point is pretty clear is that men and women can be friends, <laughs> just friends. <laughs> and if 100%. anyone wants examples, we are right here. <laughs> yeah, 100 percent. And I think that uh, I think that uh, it is a it is a maturity thing. And I think it's something to be thinking about. Yeah, I love it. Cool. All right, my friend. All right. Love you. See you next time. <laughs>